I hope you have a Bible with you of some sort. If you do, uh, open it up to Exodus chapter 13. If you don't, uh, look on, over somebody's shoulder here or watch the screens here in a minute. While you're turning there, let me share a couple of things with you. Uh, starting uh, July, on July 2nd, we're going to uh, celebrate the good things God's done for us in America and, and uh, to kind of talk about our role in that. We want to honor all of our uh, veterans, all of our present serving military guys and gals that day. And so just be aware of that. In fact, we're going to give you some invites next week, I hope, that you can take to veterans and people that you know and invite them to come. We want to honor them for their service to our country and the freedoms we enjoy because of their efforts. And uh, so write that date down. Then on July 4th, uh, July 4th is a Tuesday. And last year was our first year in the building, and my wife and some came out here uh, that night uh, to see if they could watch fireworks from here. And sure enough, they could see the fireworks they do over at nights really, really well from our parking lot, our church. So we thought, hey, let's, that, you know, we're going to have a party anyway. Let's, let's have a party. So on, on July 4th that night, we want to invite you to come back. I think they, the fireworks, they think they shoot them off about 9.30, so we're going to try to get here around 8.30. Come hang out with us. we got an ice cream truck coming. They'll come out there. We can get some ice cream and hang out and just have great fellowship. Bring some lawn chairs out, and we'll set up and watch the fireworks together on July 4th. So just uh, write that down. Now, we're not advertising that out in the community. You can invite a friend if you want to. You can invite a neighbor if you want to. But we're not going to put it, in the, you know, put it out there where we're just, if it's packed, it's because we show up. And uh, that'll be fun if it's us. Amen. So plan on that and plan on being a part of that. We, we'd love for you to, to come and be a part of it. What we've been talking about the last several weeks is the blessed life. And if you're new here, uh, you've kind of wandered into a time uh, where for the next, you know, the last several weeks we've been talking about these ingredients to a life that is blessed. And, and one of the key ingredients is what we do with the, the things God's blessed us with, like money. And uh, so you're going to hear a little bit about money today. And you've got to decide whether it's scriptural or not scriptural, whether you're going to obey these things or not. But I want you to know the truth about this. See, it's all about relationship with God, who we think God is in our life. And it's about order. Most of the troubles in our lives and most of the trouble we see in the world today happens because God is not in the right place in people's lives. If God was in the right place in people's lives, in my life, in your life, we begin to treat each other differently, we act differently. When God gets out of order in our life, when he's not in first place in our life, then it puts things in turmoil in our life because God needs to be in first place. So in this series of messages, this may be the most important one. It's called the principle of first. If God is first in your life, then everything else comes into order. So let me ask you, are the things working in your life the way they're supposed to work? The way they're supposed to be. Now this doesn't mean you won't have troubles. Jesus told us that we'll have troubles on this earth. He told us we'll have trials. He told us we'll go through uh, a tribulation at times. But when things are in the right order and we're going through those tribulations, there's two things you need to know. One would be to realize we didn't cause it, and God gives us peace through it. 
He gives us an unreasonable peace through our troubles that others look at us and go, if I was you, I'd be falling apart. And you're sitting there going, God's got it. I'm going to keep doing what's right and let God take care of it. And they look at you almost as if you're naive. And it's not a naive statement. It's a faith statement. It's a statement that I believe God has me. I'm in, I'm in the right order with him. And he's working all these things for my good. Now, we've talked on Wednesday night about the fact that while we're on this earth, the wrath of the enemy of those who believe is still trying to be poured out upon us. God protects us, and we put on spiritual armor to be protected from that. The wrath of men who don't know God still gets poured out upon us. But the moment you're saved, the wrath of God is no longer on us. The moment you put your life in Christ's hands, now the troubles of God are no longer on us. Now we begin to get our life in order. And I'd rather go through this life with my life in order with God and the enemy and the world not liking it than to go through this life with my life pleasing to the world and God not liking it. How about you? I want to be in the right place with God. So this comes down to this principle first that runs all through Scripture of us putting God in first place in our life. I ask you to open your Bibles to Exodus 13. Look at verse 1 with me, and you'll begin to see this. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both man and of beast, both of, both, both of man and of beast, is mine. Now, Lord, we ask you to anoint this word today. I thank you for my brothers and sisters, their kindness to me, and pray you'd bless them. And Lord, pour out your spirit upon us as we follow you today in Jesus' name. Amen. This, this aspect of is mine is an emphatic terminology. In fact, if you read in other versions, it'll say it is mine. It's a very emphatic declaration of God saying the first fruits of these things, the firstborn, belong to me. God is saying, they're my property. I own them. I've blessed you with them, but they belong to me. What comes after them, you're able to use for yourself, but this portion of it is mine. It belongs to me. Exodus 13 says this, you shall, not set, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Now capture this. All that opens the womb, he says, belongs to me. The firstborn belongs to me. Then he says, you redeem the donkey, you redeem that by a, by a lamb. If you don't, then you break its neck, you don't have it anyway. It belongs to, God says, it belongs to me. It's not yours. So you're going to lose it one way or the other. So here's the principle. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. This is an Old Testament principle. 
The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. And the question is, how do we know which is which? There are two categories of animals. There are clean animals and there are unclean animals. The donkey represents unclean animals. The lamb represents the clean. The clean must be given. The unclean must be redeemed by the clean or lost. So how does that apply to us? Were you born spiritually clean or unclean? Don't don't be afraid to say it. Unclean. We were born spiritually unclean. Our nature was a sin nature separated from God. We were were born unclean. That's our natural state before God, born that way. Do you have to teach your children to be bad? Now listen, Johnny, let me tell you how to tell a lie. Do you have to do that? You don't have to teach them to lie. Now let me tell you, this is how you cheat. Do you have to teach them how to cheat? Do you have to, listen, now all these other kids are coming over. Get all of your toys over in the corner of the room and go, mine. Do you have to teach them how to do that? No, all that stuff's in us. It's just in us. I mean, you look at the most innocent little child you can think of, and it won't be long until they're going, mine. Belongs to me. It won't be long until you'll catch them in a lie. And now that, remember as a parent, I, as, a, as, a teen, as a youth pastor, every now and then I have some parents say to me, my kid told me this and my child doesn't lie. And I'm like, what world do you live in? <laughs> <laughs> what color is the sky there? I'd like to visit it sometime. Because kids, kids lie. We lied. None of us in this room can stand up here today and say, I never told a lie. You'd be lying. (laughs) Are you with me? We're born in this nature. We're born unclean. Now, let's take that another step. Jesus, Jesus, was he born unclean or clean? He's born clean. He's born sinless. He's the son of God. Jesus had to be sacrificed so the unclean can be redeemed. The donkey's going to be redeemed. The, the clean has to be sacrificed. If we're going to be redeemed. See, this, this is about the nature of God. The nature of God. So somebody asked, uh, you know, why doesn't God, why didn't God just forgive everybody? Why do you have to send a son? Because God, by nature, is a God of justice, and God, by nature, is a God of law, of, of love. He cannot break his nature. Can't break his nature. So, we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The justice of God, now that we are unclean, is that we pay the price for our sin and we're separated from God. But God, in his love, wanted to respond to that need but he couldn't just wipe it away and forget it and not deny his character and his nature. So in love, the Bible says, this is why John three sixteen is so important. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So God in his love responds to the need and gives his son to die for us so that 
The unclean is redeemed by the clean. Amen? Now, when you think about that and you understand that, we, we can begin to understand this order of God in our life and how important this principle is. And so we, we've been talking about giving, so you may want to hold on to your seats here a little bit. How does this apply to tithing? Well, friends, Jesus is God's tithe. In, in Corinthians, it talks about him being the first fruits in the new kingdom. He's the first. He came and opened the door so that the rest of us can be a part of the kingdom. He gave Jesus first. That's why we don't wait to pay our bills and see if we have enough. That's getting things out of order. Jesus came first. When we have God in the right place in our lives, we begin to put everything in our life in order. It begins to affect the way I talk. It begins to affect my priorities in life. When, God's in, when Jesus is in the first place in my life, it begins to affect the way I see other people. It begins to take judgment out of my life. It begins to affect my morality because God is first in my life. And it begins, he begins to convict me and to rewire me and, and remake me. I become a changed person because I put Jesus first in my life. You get around somebody and they're not obeying the Word of God. They're purpo- they don't have Jesus first in their life. This call is for us to put Jesus first. Now, many of us, when it comes to this tithing issue, we don't understand. It's not the, it's not the 10% in giving that enacts the blessing of God, the empowerment of God, and the order of God coming into our life. And remember, there are many things that we have to put in the right place for God to be first and for it to work. Listen, it's the faith that enacts the blessing. It's the faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's a faith act. Every Sunday when you give, it's an act of faith. It's either saying, yep, you're first in my life. I trust you to order my life. I trust you to keep my life. I trust you to bless my life. Or it's an act of faith. I don't trust you to keep my life. I don't trust you to order my life. I don't trust you to be in charge of my life. It's an act of faith. And without real faith, true faith, it's impossible to please God. So the reason we say Jesus is God's tithe is because God gave Jesus first. He didn't wait to see if we would clean up to follow him. He went, okay, now if you guys will start behaving yourself and acting right, I'll send the lamb and I'll redeem you. But until you do... (laughs) I'm not giving. No. In Romans 5, it actually says, for while we were still weak, some versions, while we were still sinners, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So Jesus, God gave with this belief that many would hear and come and follow him. And so we give our tithe in faith, in hope, it's the first 10%. We give it with this promise that God's going to take care of us. When the children of Israel, I'll give you an example of this. When the children of Israel went into the promised land, Joshua leads them into the promised land. The first city they come to is Jericho. And when he came to Jericho, this great walled city, and God told them, you know, march around it every day. 
then march around it seven times, blow the trumpet, the walls are going to fall down. You're going to take the city. And God says to them, all the silver and gold in the city, all of it, is mine. It's all mine. Now you're going to take other cities. You're going to have other victories. That's going to be yours. I'll let you be blessed by that. But the first, you bring it to my house. It's consecrated to me. Everything that comes, in, that comes in that is mine. Now, why didn't God say, look, uh, bring 10% in? Because Jericho was going to be the tithe. Jericho was that, first, was that first city, and he wanted him to give it all. So we hear this principle of God being first. First fruits must be offered. I want to emphasize that, must be. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord your God with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. What's he saying? You give this in the right way, order is going to begin to come into your life. And so it's of all of your produce. This means everything. This means everything, everything that happens. Let me tell you how strict I am on myself with this. Many of you were very kind to me on my birthday, and you sent me cards, and uh, many of you sent me, uh, you know, uh, gift cards to different restaurants that I will go gain a lot of weight eating and have to go work out at. It's really great. Uh, but, but I look at that, and I say, how much, how much that came in? I owe a tithe on that. I paid a tithe on that because I believe first fruits is first fruits whatever comes our way, whatever comes into my life, it's first fruits. And so I want to I honor God with the first fruits of what I have. This is in the Proverbs, not in the law. It's about order before God. See, it is a principle, not a law. And when people begin to argue against tithe, they want to put it in the law. It's not in the law. It's before the law, after the law. It's a principle of God being first in our life. It's a kingdom principle. It's simply how things should be ordered. And when we understand how things should be ordered and we put them right, it begins to put the rest of our life in order and we treat people better and we walk better and we live righteously. Exodus 23 says, the best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Listen, he makes it so easy. So easy. Do you know what first fruits means in the Hebrew? First fruits, that's what it means. It's real simple. It means the first. You, you bring it first. It's, it's the first thing. And notice, he doesn't say give it. He says bring it. Why? Because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. He says it's mine. Bring it. Now I know this is strong, but hold on to your seats and you can love me through this, okay? We've been here doing this for a long time. You can love me right through this if you're struggling with this issue. And, and I know there's some of you in this room, you don't struggle with this issue at all. You got it. This is just strengthening your faith. There's others in this room, maybe you're struggling with this issue and, and you feel the battle and the angst as I talk about it. And you go, well, I'll be glad we're done with this series. That should tell you something. 
just, just that battle going on inside of it should tell you something. But, but I, I, want you to, I want you to capture uh, this truth that is kind of hard. There's only two ways God tells us and describes to us about the first fruits of our life. Only two ways in Scripture. Challenge you, show me another way he talks about it. You either bring it, or hear me, are you ready? Or you steal it. You either bring it, or you steal it. Because God says, it's mine. It belongs to me. It's about right order. When the children of Israel went into Jericho and swept through that city, they had a great victory. Uh, a, a short time later, there's another city. It wasn't nearly as big, and they were going to go take that city. They going to sweep the enemy out of the country. And they went, and they lost the battle. It was one that they should have easily won. And they came back in total confusion. We won this great battle. Now we lost this battle. And God said to them, there's a reason you lost that battle, because I'm not in the right order in your life. You stole from me. And they began to look through and began to seek through. And we read the story in, 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 in Joshua, you know, 5 and 6 and 7, of how they discover that this one guy, Achan, had seen some of the silver and some of the gold and some of the things in, in Jericho. And instead of bringing them, he kept them. And because of it, God said, you've stolen from me and you lost the right battle. I want you to capture this principle. There are some of us that we have battles in our life that we should easily overcome, easily walk through them. They're, 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 they seem like they should be simple in our life. We see other people blowing through them with no problem, and we're stuck in them. We're stuck in them. And we're going, why? Why is it so hard for me? Why am I, why am I not getting set free? Why, why are my kids doing this? Why, why is this happening in my life? Why, why am I struggling here? And it comes down to this principle. Is God in the right order in your life? Is he in the right place? In your words, in your actions, in your giving, is God first? And so we go out to battle where we should win easily. And all of a sudden we're coming back in confusion because we've been defeated. And so God says to them, Israel, listen, listen, listen to how strong this is. Israel has stolen from me, therefore it is cursed. So until they get that right, they're not going to have the victory they should have. So the word that we hear is that it's consecrated if you bring it. It's consecrated if you put God in the first. It's cursed if you keep it. Your life won't have the order of God if you keep it. What you, what, why do you want to keep something in your life that is cursed? I, I want my life to be blessed, don't you? It takes faith to believe. Remember, without faith, what is it? Impossible to please God. It takes faith to believe that the 90% redeemed and blessed will go further than the 100% cursed. That takes faith. It doesn't add up in the secular realm. It adds up in a spiritual realm. 
that God's going to add more. God talks about things that money can't buy, and he says when the, when the world, when, you're, when your life is in the right order, you're going to be blessed in things that money can't buy. Things are going to come into your life. So, remember when I was a boy growing up and reading the Bible, you come to this story in the early parts of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3, about Cain and Abel. Uh, and, and how Cain would eventually uh, kill Abel. And, you know, you read this, and I remember my dad hearing me talk about it one time, and I've heard other preachers talk about this. And, and I was confused. about. It. I was just a young kid. I was confused about it. And uh, I thought it was because Abel had a blood offering. I think I actually heard it taught that it was accepted because Abel had a blood offering. And Cain didn't have a blood offering. Let's look at the scripture closely. Genesis chapter 4. In the course of time, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? If you do well, <clears throat> will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So in the course of time, Cain brings an offering of the fruit of the ground. But the Bible doesn't say a key word there. It's not a first fruits offering. It's just in the course of time. It wasn't the first fruits that came. It was just in the course of time. He brings an offering. Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock. God accepts Abel's offering, but not Cain's. He accepts Abel, but not Cain. The person is, it was either accepted or rejected as well. It's simple. Cain, a farmer, didn't bring the first fruits. Abel, a rancher, brought the first fruits. God said, I'll accept Abel. I won't accept Cain because it's about order in life. So let's go a little bit deeper with this so yet we get it it's not just that God wouldn't accept it it's that God couldn't accept Cain's offering do you understand you know there are some things that that God can't do you, you have some you know silly person who doesn't understand God and you'll say I believe in God I think God can do everything yes I think he can do everything wrong answer and then they'll then they'll pull out some crazy question for you can God make a rock bigger than he can lift? You know, it's just, it's just crazy. It, it, the, the problem really goes back to the answer. There are things God cannot do. Once he captures, it, just like we talked a few minutes ago, God couldn't, because of his character, he could not act. God cannot act outside of his character. So God couldn't just wipe away our sin and forget about it. He had to redeem us for us to have a chance 
because God can't act outside of his character. God will never act outside of his character. If you want to get a great study, study the attributes of God. You'll understand more about who God is. Here are some other things that God can't do. God can't change. God can't change. It's not a different God. God didn't grow up from, oh, he was an angry God in the Old Testament. Now he grew up and really had revelation. Now he loves people. No, no, it's the same God. Same God all the way through. All of it reveals who God is. It's called the law of immutability. That's a doctrinal theological word about God can't change. The reason he can't change is because if he could change, he could get better. And God can't get better because God is perfect. So he can't change. He's perfect. You and I can get better. We can change. We need to change. Are you with me? We need to get better. God can't change. He's perfect. He's perfect in every way. God can't think the way we think. We see this in Isaiah 55 where it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than your so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We, God, God doesn't think like us because God is what we call, another theological word, omniscient. You break that down, the science part of it means knowledge. The omni part means all. It means God has all knowledge. The reason God can't think the way we think is because we think to figure things out. We think and try to think, what do I do about this? How do I do this? What does this mean? How do I act? We think to figure things out. We think to learn and to grow. God's not trying to figure anything out. God knows everything. Can't think like us. His ways are above our ways. He knows everything. We're not dealing with somebody a little bit smarter than us, just ahead of the curve figuring things out. He knows everything. It's a great and mighty God, so he can't think like us. If, you, if in our life we, we think, and we think, well, I think I'll, I'll put God first. Well, that's a good way to think. But if you think, I'm not going to put I'm going to live my own way. It doesn't change the fact that God still is first. It just means your thinking is wrong. Because God will always be first. God knows everything. And so when I look in his word, and his word tells me to do something, I'm going, that's based out of a revelation of God who knows everything. He's telling me how to live my life. Now, am I going to, by faith, believe it? Am I going to, by faith, believe it? Am I going to live sexually, morally, the way he tells me to? Am I going to clean my, my mouth up? Am I going to, you know, go out and party and get drunk and get high? Or am I going to live the way God tells me to, the one who knows everything and knows what's best? Am I going to obey him or am I going to disobey him? But God knows everything. God knows it all. And listen, here's the last one. This is really the key one. God is preeminent. What does that mean? It means he can never be second. For the universe to be in order, God must be first. He puts the stars in the sky. He puts the planets in place. He puts everything in right order, and they all answer to him. They all answer to him. The reason God couldn't accept Cain's offering is because God is always first, and when Cain didn't bring the first fruits, God couldn't accept it. 
because it was about God being first. And for things to be in order, we have to treat God, respond to God with him being first, first in our life. Now, we need to think about that when we think about giving. We said Jesus is a tithe. If, if all these things are true, then tithing may be more personal to Jesus than we think. And if Jesus is God's tithe, it might be more personal to the Father than we think. Tithe represents as clearly as any other picture in our life. Tithe represents who we see as first and do we have faith in him. Leviticus says this in Leviticus 27. Every tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Every tithe is the Lord. It's holy. That's why it's stealing to, to keep it because it is first and it is holy. So some people, you know, they sit down uh, with their bills and they get their paycheck and, you know, they set money aside for the mortgage, money aside for insurance, money aside uh, for utilities, money aside for, you know, wanting to go out to eat with their family, money aside for, you know, the groceries, money aside for all this stuff. Then they get down and say, okay, um, what do I have left? Oh, I can give a little bit to God. And, and then they wonder why their life's out of order. Their life's out of order because they haven't put God in order. I, I'll tell you how, how I learned to do it as a boy and how I've done it all my life. When I get, when I get paid, <coughs> excuse me, from the day I remember my first ever getting paid, I could tell you a story about the first time I ever got paid, but that's for another day. But as, as I get paid, I sit down with people. I have a, I have a, in my house, I have a desk in my study, and, and I, I put all of my bills when I get them, when they get mailed in, they all go in the top right-hand drawer. And when payday comes, uh, I go into that room, and I get those bills out, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my payments because here, here's, a, here's a lesson. Money evaporates. It, it disappears. If you, just, if you just leave it sitting in your checking account and you think, yeah, I'll pay the bills next week, next week comes, you don't have enough money to pay the bills because it evaporates. It just, it just goes away. It's a mystical. <clears throat> so what I do is I sit there with that and I have a piece of paper. And the first thing I do is on the top right-hand side of that paper is I write my tithe money. This is what I owe in tithe. This is what I've earned. This is what other money's come in. This is what I've been blessed with. Here's my tithe. Then I'll write my offering because I have some money I give in offerings. I'll write that. Now, some of my money, I'll tell you, is automatically deducted from my paycheck. Uh, some of you like to do that. I still like to write checks, though. For you young people in, that in the room, a check is a little piece of paper <laughs> in a little book, and it's got your name on it, and you can put pay to the order of whoever you want to give something to. It's really a, a unique thing, and I know... Most of you may, maybe not have ever even seen one, but it's, it's an amazing thing. But I like to write, because I like to bring it to church and drop it in the offering on Sunday. I, this is the way I've always been. I'm not saying giving it electronically is bad. In fact, for some of you, it may be easier and better for you. Well, that, that, the method doesn't matter. The obedience and the faith matters. But for me, it's the first thing. And then I go down and write down all my other bills, 
And then I add it all up, and I say, okay, I got enough money to make, make all my payments, and I got enough money to do all of this, and I got enough money to do that. Or, or I go, mm, wow, uh, I don't. Uh, okay, what's going to go out? And I go back up and I look at what I, I've got coming. I say, okay, we're not going to go out to eat this. You know, we're not going to do this. This isn't going to happen. And I begin to eliminate the things. What I never, ever, 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 ever touch is what belongs to God. That's God's. That's God's. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, so I've got to prioritize. If, if I see I don't have, I've got to prioritize Okay, the mortgage has to get paid. I want, I want the lights to stay on in the house. You know, I'm going to prioritize things. And that may mean some of the things I want to do has to be put on hold till later. But I prioritize it. Why? Because it's first fruits. It's a face that it's me saying, God, before anything else, I want to be in the right order with you. I want to be in the right place with you. Malachi says about somebody, he says, you bring me the blind and the lame, and I don't accept it. So I just don't accept it. So we, we sit down and we figure this out and we do what's right. Listen to what it says in, in, again in Exodus chapter 13. And when in time, when in time to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt from the house of slavery. And when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of male and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrificed to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a mark in your hand or frontless between your eyes, for by a strong hand the Lord brought us out. In the Old Testament, it's full of types. One of the types in the Old Testament is the children of Israel being delivered from the hand of slavery. It's a type, it's an example of you and me as sinners, slave to sin, being set free from the bondage of sin. And we don't do that on our own. The children of Israel did not set themselves free on their own. Listen, by a strong hand God delivered them by a strong hand God delivered them and that same thing is true for those of us who are born again by the strong hand of God he delivered us he sent his son his son lived a perfect life upon this earth his son went to the cross and paid a terrible price on the cross for our sin and the mighty power of God raised him from the grave victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And because of that, because of the strong hand of God, we are delivered. Amen? It's a sign to us. It's a, the move. So uh, what is a right response to the strong hand of God? A right response to the strong hand of God is to put God in the right place in our life. That means he's first. If he says this action is wrong, it's wrong. If he says this action is right, it's right. If he says do this, we do it. If he says don't do that, 
we don't do it because God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. God has delivered us by his strong hand, and we can trust him. God and his love can be counted on. We need to walk with our life in right order with God. And when we're in right order with God, everything else begins to get in right order in our life. Now, listen, that's all an act of faith. It's all an act of faith. Do I really believe God deserves to be first place in my life? Do I really believe he knows everything? Do I really believe he should be preeminent? Do I really believe it? And we say it every day with our actions and our words. We say it every Sunday when we give. We say it in what we're, where we spend our time. We say it in the attitudes of our spirit. Do we believe God has delivered us and he should be first and preeminent in our life? And when you do, your life begins to get in the right order. But it all begins with the principle of first. God is first. I didn't say this the other sir. Boyfriend's not first. Girlfriend's not first. My kids aren't first. Oh, I love my kids. But God's first. I live to please God first. They get some wacky idea in their head about right and wrong. It doesn't change who God is. Your boyfriend or girlfriend pressuring you to do something because you love them and they love you. It doesn't change who God is. Oh, we love each other. We're going to get married in the future. This is going to... doesn't change who God is. What am I going to do? I'm going to put God first. First in all things. So, well, if my boyfriend leaves me, good riddance to him. Because if he's not in order with God and you marry him, guess what's going to happen? Your home's not going to be in order with God. You're going to have a mess on your hand. Get, get, get yourself a guy who's got God first. Get yourself a gal who's got God first. You put God first. And order is to begin to come. Is this good? Are you getting this? Okay, now, those of you who are tithers and givers, you're sitting here going, oh, Pastor, that's so good. I, I had all kinds of people out in the interview after the first service that, are, that I've known for years and years, and they're coming, oh, this, Pastor, that was great. You know, I was going to have a few people walking around like this. So if you walk around like that, I'm really suspicious of you after the message like this. So <laughs> be careful how you walk today. Seriously, seriously. You're going into small groups tonight. If you found this to be true, don't just talk about the lesson. Share your testimony. Share your story. If you're a serious follower of Christ and you're sitting there going, no, I don't know, this sounds, that guy, he sounds wacky today. What's wrong with him? Is he just after our money? If that's what's, if that's what's going on in your head, let, let, me, let me challenge you today. Talk to some more mature Christians. Get around some mature Christians. Don't be afraid. Go into your small group and say, well, I don't know about all that pastor's talking about. What do you guys think? And you're going to begin to hear stories of how God put people's lives in order. 
That's what I bet will happen. I'm willing to take that risk because I know that if you do this, not because it's a law, oh, I have to. No, it's not about the law. It's not about doing something because it's required. It's not about doing something to be right. It's about doing something because God is first. That's what it's about. God, I'm giving this. I don't, I'm not giving. Listen, we, we say wrong things. I'm, oh, I gave this much to the church last year. Okay, that's nice. Did you give it to God or did you give it to the church? The right words, I, I, paid my, I brought my tithe to God's house to give to God, to do within his kingdom as he wants to do. So I, I want to challenge you. Talk to some other believers. Don't miss this principle because it feels uncomfortable to you. There's a lot of things in the Word that are uncomfortable. We can't just pick and choose the ones we like and don't like. Talk to some other believers. Ask what they've learned. Learn yourself. Grow. And let's be changed in the image of Christ and let's put God first. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand together. We're going to pray. Prayer teams, would you come down to the front, please? Father, I know there's many, many in this room who uh, what we're saying today, Lord, just solidifies their faith and what they've been doing and what they've been experiencing. I know there's probably many in this room that, uh, Lord, an act of faith to put you first seems impossible. Father, I know there's some in this room, probably some in this room, Father, who uh, this kind of giving seems uh, really kind of out there. They don't understand it. They don't get it. But, Lord, we're just trying to lay out your word. Let your word bear forth fruit in hearts. Let, let people get it where they should get it. And, uh, Lord, let them seek out the truth from others until they know, would know, really, what your word teaches. Because what really matters is not what we believe. What really matters is what your word tells us. And so help us to get this and to walk in it. So today, Lord, bless, uh, bless this congregation and move in their lives and uh, reveal yourself to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Right now, uh, we're going to take a moment and just sing a song. And if you have any need in your life, any need at all in your life, physical need, any need, come down and let somebody pray. We believe prayer changes things. This is an act of faith. So if you have a need, I don't know why you'd leave without letting somebody pray for you. Pray with you. Now, if you're not born again, if you've never at a point in time in your life come to this place where you've recognized, I'm a sinner, I need the redemptive work of Jesus applied to my life, and I need to ask him to be the Savior of my life. If you haven't done that, and that's beating in your heart, you've heard me talk about it today, that God in his justice can't just ignore our sin, so he sent his son to pay the price for our sin that we could be redeemed. But at some point in time, we've got to believe in him and begin to follow him. If that's you today, then while others are coming, you come down as well and just say, you know what? I believe the old nature's in me. Or just say, hey, I need to get my heart right with God. And they'll help you. They'll talk with you. They'll pray with you. We believe that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So why do you believe that? Because the Bible says it. Not because it's a clever slogan. It's because God made it clear. 
everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's something to rejoice about. Amen? So come down, call on the name of the Lord. We believe the work of God is going to happen in your life. I love you. God bless you. Talk to you out in the interway in a few minutes.